Thanks for joining us. This is the EWN Podcast Network. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Rev with Rachel, where we recreate, enlighten, and vibrate in our radiance. I am Reverend Dr. Rachel Whetstone, but just call me Rachel. This podcast is the place to learn about really feeling our emotions, mastering the mind, being aware of our energy, and tuning into our own intuition for the purpose of living in bliss, freedom, health, peace, and what I call our godly potential. And I would love to stay connected with you. If you want updates about Rev with Rachel and living a Rev life, please go to RevWithRachel.com, enter your name and email address, and you can also like the Rev Life Facebook page. Today's episode is Navigating Difficult Emotions with Kindy Dulay Gill. Welcome to the show, Kindy. Oh, thank you for having me here, Rachel. Yes, it's awesome to have you on. I connected with you through eWomen Network and um, just more recently connected in a way where I, I was able to say like, oh, we have like passionate things that we're both, we both care about and, um, you know, being more in like the healing arts and things like that. So it's That's awesome right. to have you on. Thank you. Yeah. So why don't you start with telling us, you know, how, how did you come to be doing what you're doing now? What's your personal story? Uh, yeah, my, st- my uh, work that I'm doing now with the Dalian method is something that I never expected to be involved in. I'm a very sort of, you know, like an alpha female, very logical, um, mm-hmm. all these ideas about a career path, a goal, and then you go attain it, etc. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my earlier life was actually spent in business. I tra- trained as an accountant and then became a finance director then eventually became a chief executive, ran a business with 3,000 people in, in England. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea of healing or the fact that there is even a need for healing mm. was the furthest from my radar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and my whole approach was that you hold it together. Mm. You're very resilient. You look at problems from the perspective of that they need fixing. Mm-hmm. You lean very heavily on your head and your mind to find the resources and the solutions. So that was really my way of living. And it wasn't until um, I started to face experiences where that formula was no longer working. Mm-hmm. For example, my sister was involved in a car accident and became paralyzed. Mm. Um, And for me, it was very, very difficult to just accept that she would never walk again. And it was more like this sense of, there must be a way around this, right? Mm -hmm. And it it was a very, very humbling experience to see that not everything can be fixed. Um, But at the same time, it was a very, very contemplative experience because it was my first moment of stopping to ask, you know, why do we have creation only then to see destruction why do we get given limbs or a body only to see it then turn to dust or parts of it not be usable during your life it became a very contemplative moment for me Mm. and then the grief that came with that experience I could no longer hold it together It, it wasn't possible 
for the old formula to work. Um, and the emotions were just oozing out everywhere and I needed to find a way through that process. So I accidentally fell into the healing world really to try and then understand my own emotions mm -hmm. initially. Um, but because of the solutions that I found, particularly with the Dalian method, that it was just such a profound tool to sort of almost catapult your life in a new direction, over a period of time, it felt um, absolutely the right thing to do is to try and start sharing that with the world so that more of us get to understand the humanity that exists behind the achiever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we all have this going on, you know, behind the the face we show, you know, life, life brings up all of our emotions and triggers and, and then to kind of be able to dive into and say, Oh, what is this, you know, especially That's if we right. weren't raised, you know, in an emotionally conscious way. Exactly. And I think what happens is that there's a bit of a veil between the face we show to the public and the face that comes home with us. So often the home space can be a place where you'll show your vulnerabilities more so. Mm -hmm. but you'll also get stressed out with the people that you supposedly love the most. And you'll also, also get into conflict and rage with the people that you supposedly love the most. Mm -hmm. And unlike business life where, you know, if a work colleague isn't really showing up in the way that you would want them to, and they're not as motivated as you need them to, and they're not pulling their weight, you know, you have that um, reward and punishment type sort of thing that really exists in most structures where, you know, there's the possibility that you might not get your bonus, or there's a possibility that you may not hold your job, or there's a possibility that you could be put on probation, or you could be given some sort of disciplinary notice if you're not stacking up right mm -hmm. but in the home environment what are you going to do right you can't fire your child yeah. um, and although it's uh it is possible to walk out on your marriage and 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 separate etc um it's not as easy as you might find when you're parting company with a work colleague because mm -hmm. the heart is involved too in a different way so I think that really for me, I've learned so much about the real emotions behind the scenes in the home environment. And what I didn't want to do was just accept that they were all happening and let them carry on repeating themselves. I wanted to try and understand more about what triggers them. Why do they arise? What is mm -hmm. the conflict about? What's the tension about? How do you solve it? Mm -hmm. So I, I would... So that part of me, the chief executive part of me that always looked for solutions, now wanted to solve this slightly differently so that there was a way of transforming what was going on in the home dynamics. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. I know for me, I started asking my questions like, what's going on with me? Why am I responding this way? Why am I reacting like this? Or why do I feel like I could just burst inside, you know? And that kind of helped me to get on my journey of looking more deeply at my emotions. But kind of describe what, what are these difficult emotions that you're talking about and then how do we navigate them? Yeah, so I think for me, because it had been so much about holding it together, Rachel, there was a part of me that believed that to show any emotion was a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. So that was the first barrier that I accidentally ended up just 
going over when the grief at my sister's car accident was just so monumental that there was no way of containing the tears back at all. Mm -hmm. And they were just flowing uncontrollably. And then when I came to Canada and we had emigrated from England, that sense of leaving my family behind, my parents behind, my siblings, my friends, my old career, my, Mm. like the whole world that I knew as it existed was no longer there. So I had nothing to distract me by. Mm. And because there was less distractions, there was more connection with the quality of my thinking and the quality of my motivation and my energetic sort of um, interaction with one another. And I feel like I went, I sort of started to fall into a depression, even though I didn't get clinically diagnosed as though I was in depression but I had very little motivation. I didn't want to get out of bed. There was very little energy to do anything. I was extremely lethargic. Mm. And it was like I'd lost the identity of that sort of so-called superwoman that could make anything happen before. Mm. I was now separate from her and I was embodying this new person inside me that I didn't recognize. So for me, the difficult emotions first were, was actually the shock of like, who am I now? Like, why have I become this? Mm-hmm. And then the shock of really getting to understand how lonely I felt. Because when I was busy, I didn't know I was lonely. Mm-hmm. But when I was in the home in a new country and my children were at school and I didn't have any infrastructure or a support structure around me, And although I was married, my husband was at work and we were at each other's throats arguing and bickering a lot, so stressed Mm -hmm. out. So the loneliness, so that's another example of a difficult emotion that we often don't even know is there. Um, And the other example of a difficult emotion would be the rage, the upset, like like lashing out Mm -hmm. at one another when you're actually stressed out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember when my kids were little, feeling this kind of overwhelming frustration, like just how challenging and heavy it felt sometimes just to get out the door and get them in the car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember I don't I didn't want to yell, but on the inside, I just felt it like, oh, my God, I just want to scream, you know, mm. and like get in the car, but I would hold it in. And right. I don't think that's very healthy. But um, so how do we look at this or what happens when we kind of you know what is the opportunity for healing or for navigating those those challenging feelings well it starts with what you've just said there you know like that sense of I want to scream Mm -hmm. but I'm holding it together and I'm not like I'm not gonna yell and then you obviously have other people that can't hold it back and then they do yell Mm -hmm. so What's happening is when you're saying, somehow we're all trained to believe this idea that we need to be good people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Good people does mean that you're not supposed to show your emotions, right? Mm -hmm. So we're sort of programmed to suppress. And that suppression, unfortunately, is extremely damaging because everything we suppress in our body silently sits there but still has energy behind it. And because they had energy behind it, it does two things. One is it attracts 
more circumstances that match that emotion. Mm -hmm. So if you're suppressing a lot of anger, you're going to keep finding that you've got an angry customer or an angry child or an angry partner or an angry sibling because the outside world is constantly going to keep bringing in a match to your inner state and your inner state is all the suppressed emotions. So we get trained to suppress, but mm -hmm. nobody teaches us that the more we suppress, the harder our life is going to be because the outside world is going to keep offering us back a match to all those emotions we, we actually did hold back and suppress. Mm -hmm. So that's one part of the mechanism that's extremely dangerous for us. It's like the opposite to that phrase, you know, where they say, you know, what you don't know doesn't hurt you. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the, exactly the opposite way. It's like, it's almost like what you don't know about your inner state is going to hurt you. Like what everything you've shoved in there is going to hurt you categorically, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then the second part is everything we do suppress and we hold back on and we don't live that experience and don't say it as it is, has the impact of being projected out onto the world. So, I mean, just not that I really want to touch the topic of racism too deeply, but a little bit of what we're seeing right now at this present moment, there's a lot of people very, very angry at the experiences that they've had to endure because of their color. Mm -hmm. and, and that anger is now being thrown onto others. So it's being projected out onto the world. Mm -hmm. But we are not taught, which is the thing that's really, really important. We're not taught to take responsibility for our anger or for our sadness, for our grief, for our jealousies, for our comparisons, for our judgments, for mm -hmm. our, you know, we're not asked to give, take responsibility for it. And by that, what I mean is, you know, if you said to me, you silly looking girl, you know, I hate that red nose on your face. I would laugh at you because I would immediately know that I've not got a red nose on my face, right? Mm -hmm. But if you said to me, well, I really don't like the color of your skin. Suddenly I may react in anger because the color of my skin is actually a sensitive point to me. I haven't yet come to the point of accepting it fully, right? Mm -hmm. And so our emotions are really designed to help us to go inward so that we get to accept ourselves totally and utterly fully, which means the good and the bad faces. So supposedly, you know, like how they're categorized as being bad faces. Mm -hmm. That means we're supposed to accept our anger and understand where it's coming from and get a better sense of what it's teaching us but we're also supposed to accept our compassion and our ability to love and our ability to be kind because we are made of this duality where we have the capacity to destroy and we have the capacity to create. And we tend to only want to see ourselves in the good light only, mm -hmm. but we're not particularly great because of the lack of education in embracing the shadow qualities of our personalities. And so really the work ends up being about understanding the emotions so that we get to accept 
all of the varying personalities and faces that embody us that are within us. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like, for example, our ability to destroy as well as our ability to create. Mm -hmm. Describe what you mean by that. Well, so for example, you're saying you might have maybe judged yourself for wanting to yell at your kids. Um, Mm -hmm. And you would have perhaps perceived it that yelling at your kids is destroying something Mm -hmm. because it's destroying that moment. It's destroying that ability to connect wisely with them. It's destroying your ability to keep your heart connection, right? Mm -hmm. So in that moment, what happens is there's a part of us that shuns our ability to destroy And yet we don't really look deeply to see, okay, so this anger is rising and this anger is rising because I have an expectation Mm -hmm. and I'm imposing this expectation on my child because my child's got to go faster or whatever the case might be. Mm -hmm. And it's my expectation. So it's not the child's expectation. It's my belief from somewhere that drove that expectation and it is up to me now to actually deal with this expectation because I'm imposing it on the situation and if I continue imposing it on the situation I can potentially destroy this moment but if I understand it's my expectation and I loosen the neck around this expectation and get to see that I can only do my best and what is within my capacity and each of these children are going to do their best based on what's within their capacity Mm -hmm. and suddenly suddenly the whole moment relaxes and because the whole moment then relaxes you're able to create something new because you've taken responsibility for the fact it's your expectation or your need or your wound or your upset that's driving you to be angry Mm -hmm. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, of course. It doesn't, belo- yeah. it doesn't belong to anybody else. It's your story and it has everything to do with you. And mm-hmm. if you were totally in love with yourself and completely at peace with yourself and really, really calm in your own presence, then what will happen is you will use the anger when somebody's treading on a boundary, mm-hmm. but you won't use the anger to destroy a situation if it's being driven by any of your wounds. So it it doesn't become all about the fact that you lose the anger. There's a purpose behind it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But at the same time, you're not judging it either. You understand it rather than judge it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's such an important thing, I think, to feel is that it's, it's our thing. Like, it isn't really about the child. It's our own... Um, wound or like you were saying our own stuff to figure out and to exactly exactly and the children are not immune they also have their stuff too so children can I mean depending on the age of a child right etc like in my Mm -hmm. household now I have three young adults really 27 year old a 23 year old and a 19 year old Mm -hmm. they're not immune to having their own stuff too you know it's in their bodies it's Some of it's been imprinted on them through the genetics that they picked up from their parents and their grandparents and et cetera. Uh So if I have a pattern of um, 
you know, if I have a pattern of starting something and then dropping something and not seeing it through, it won't be too surprising if that's repeating itself in one of my children. Or if I have a pattern of um, uh, feeling sorry for myself and beginning to feel like a victim, I shouldn't be too surprised if that's also somewhere lurking in my children. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, it's not that the children don't have their stuff either. It's more about each person taking responsibility and becoming aware of their stuff mm -hmm. so that they can then become more of an individual rather than dump their stuff on one another. I love that. So true. And that's really not the context that we're given for, for our emotions no. in our culture. No. We're not for... given the education. We're not even given the grace or the compassion to understand that these qualities are extremely human mm -hmm. um, and not something that we should be running away from. Um, and one cycle then repeats the same mistakes and imposes it onto the next generation. Mm -hmm. And then the next generation repeats the same sort of mistakes and imposes it on the next generation. So we have a load of wounded people wandering around on the planet yeah. each looking for someone else to rescue them and each looking for something else from someone else when really we've all got responsibility to address what's inside us, mm -hmm. um, including our kids, which is why the Dalian method has been so fabulous because there's, a, there's three versions of it. There's a child version, which is from age five up until about 10 or 11 years old. Then there's another one, which is a teenage version. Mm -hmm. which covers that sort of age between sort of 10, 11, all the way through to about, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. And then there's sort of uh, an adult version, which can be used for young adults as well. But the adult version comes in two lengths. So you've got um, something for young adults, and then you've got something for, you know, older people like ourselves. So yeah. the Dalian method is such a smart and very, very clever tool because it's been designed for the entire family. Yeah. Um, and so therefore there's no, no person anywhere in the spectrum that can be left out of the process because we've all been, we've all got our junk, <laughs> whether we yeah. like it or not. <laughs> um, and the sooner the children start undoing their fears and they start undoing their prejudices and start understanding their mind better so that it's not running the show mm. but they understand that thing about how it judges and the quality of that judgment and that discernment and they get a better closer understanding of where their intuition lies mm -hmm. they all get assisted in being empowered to be their full selves right but from a much much younger age and then there's another version of the Dalian method, which is called find answers to your questions. So, you know, where I got to the stage where I was asking a question like, why do we have destruction? And why do we create only to see destruction? And why do we even die? You know, those mm -hmm. type of questions. But you see, these children then can start asking themselves these questions early. But instead of looking for you as the mother or me as the parent or the school teacher or the boss as the authority to guide them, mm -hmm. instead they learn how to trust themselves because that particular version of the method helps them to find the answer from inside them. Oh, I love and, that. And that answer comes in in such a smart way, Rachel, that you can't then doubt the answer. 
when you use your logical head, there'll always be an aspect of your head that will question it both ways. But when the answer comes from your intuition and your, and your inner knowing, then it, it doesn't get doubted. And so it gives you so much clarity on what to do with your life and the decisions you make because mm -hmm. you're looking for the answers inside you rather than looking for them to come to you from an outside authority that may or may not be wounded and mm -hmm. therefore <laughs> may or may not impose their smallness and or fears and or judgments onto your life. Right. And then that would be an amazing place to lead from, whether it's with our coworkers or with our, with our children to enable that place in them instead of exactly. you know, projecting everything we think they That's should right. do and, and should all over them, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, all these shoulds. But then the nice thing about this is the fact that the dying method, the find answers to your questions version of it does help you to detoxify and release some of the suppressions as well. So I'll give you an example. Say, for example, you were a child looking to go to university, but you weren't sure what you wanted to study. Mm -hmm. I've been there. All right. <laughs> so you would ask the question, you know, uh, you might ask the question about which university you should go to, but you might ask what you should be studying. Mm-hmm. So if you ask the question, what should I be studying? The, the method would begin with you asking the question, I want to know what I should study in so-and-so place, right? Yeah. And then midway through the method, it gives you an opportunity to then start releasing the emotions that are coming up about it. So you might end up saying, I'm really scared I might make the wrong choice. I feel so young, I don't really know. I don't know whether this is going to make, this is, I'm going to get it wrong. I'm afraid to make a mistake. I don't want to lose my friends. I want to do what my friends are doing. I don't want to upset my parents. So all these things that may be going on inside you that you're otherwise going to keep hidden and keep a lid on, mm -hmm. suddenly the method gives you an opportunity to air all of that so it can be released and seen. And then you get a better sense of, oh, I'm actually scared to let somebody down on this. It's not so much about the choice I'm making for me. I'm actually scared to let my parent down or I'm scared to let my teacher down. And then eventually the method helps you to come closer to what you want. And then once you hear it from inside, because we all have the wisdom inside us, mm -hmm. because you've cleared up some of the uncertainties en route, and you've released some of the suppressions, what happens is once the answer comes in, you also have the backbone to see and live that answer through because you know it's come from inside you and you know it's what you want to do. Mm -hmm. So then if you have someone who comes in their wisdom as a parent and says, you know, I'm not so sure you're going to be able to make some money with that one, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> The child doesn't have to listen because they've gained their own backbone through using the method and they'll know much, much more clearly why they want to follow that particular route and how it resonates with them. So they don't get taken off their own center and they stay in their own anchor when they go about then acting on their inner knowing. 
Mm-hmm. And the fears are not there then. The fears are not there to sabotage them in actually helping it to make happen. And, and honestly, what more do we want as parents? We just want our children to be happy, to live their lives and to live their best potential, but to live it in a way that actually suits them rather mm-hmm. than what suits, suits society or us or the grandparents or yeah. <laughs> the teachers or whoever else, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember when I was first having my boys and they were babies, I had these ideas of what I thought they should do and all of this. And, and as I tuned more into myself, I was able to tune more into, well, maybe that's not true for them. Maybe, yeah. or maybe what I think I need to, what I think I would project onto them isn't really the best. Yeah, because we idea. don't even know what how life is going to change. Like, did we know 2020 was going to do everything it's done this year? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have no idea what life that they are going to be moving into, what skills they need to be prepared for and how much everything is going to change anyways. Yeah. So what gives us the right to even think we have, you know, the audacity to determine what they should and shouldn't be choosing? But we do, and we do it all under the guise of, oh, we're trying to do the best. Yeah. <laughs> we're trying to do the best in our guidance, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that you're speaking to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've learned the hard way. You know, I have my face-to-face battles with... Um, my oldest daughter in particular Mm -hmm. and you know what happens is in those moments it's like it's an opportunity for her to step back and see something about her face but it's also an opportunity for me to step back and to see what she's reflecting back to me about me Mm -hmm. Um, and so instead of being nervous about these interactions that we might have at home the Dalian method helps us to actually sort of undo the cob's web, you know, the spider's web so that you can Mm -hmm. see the threads and you can see where that thread of emotion came from. And then you can take responsibility and then apologize in the appropriate way, but actually from a much more empowered state um, or hold your ground on whatever you're holding your ground on because, you know, that already has come with awareness, Mm -hmm. but it helps you to navigate the relationships in a much, much more authentic way. And because the Dalian method also helps you to raise your consciousness, ultimately the connection just gets stronger and stronger and stronger, even though you may have these moments of differences mm-hmm. because, connect, because consciousness unites, right? It helps us to connect with our humanity and it helps us to connect with the element of us that exists in every other human being too. So if we know that we're grief-stricken over something or heartbroken over something, we sure as hell know that that feeling exists in someone else too and our compassion increases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so at the end of the day, for me, it just feels like it's a win-win, win-win thing using this beautiful tool in our day-to-day family life because it's constantly helping us to evolve and it's then giving us back more of what we want because the relationships begin to improve the circumstances of our life begin to improve. We get more of the outcomes we wanted that we wanted to manifest. So Mm -hmm. it works both ways, right? Yeah. Oh, I love that. And then, so what is our, our potential in consciousness? Well, um, I, I, for me, I've been working with a mystic. Her name is Madara Eliza Dalian. And from, I can only relay what she's shared with us. So when she was aged 33 years old, she had an uh, awakening experience 
that was not too dissimilar to the type of wake awakening experience that the Buddha had when he was alive two and a half thousand years ago. Mm -hmm. And so she got to see that she is the universe. She got to see that all the galaxies and the stars and everything in the universe are all actually stored inside our tiny little bodies. Mm -hmm. And she um, opened up to that pool of consciousness where all of her actions come from such such absolute purity with the intention of absolutely the best for every human being because she sees every person as an extension of herself she sees no difference she is the universe right mm -hmm. now for those of us that are working on the journey of growing in consciousness like my own journey i started this work about 12 years ago all i know is every step i take to use the dalian method awakens my self-awareness and heightens my connection with my own consciousness. And the veil of ideas and fears that separate me from other people keep disappearing. Mm -hmm. So it's a sort of moment to moment progression and improvement on where I once was, but you can't even call it improvement. It's sort of like the awakening of something that was already there that doesn't need to be found, wasn't lost, is just papered over and covered over like, you know, the clouds covering the sun. Mm -hmm. And so consciousness is inside us. We don't have to go looking for it. It's just papered over with all these negative emotions and these wounds and these beliefs and these conditionings and these ideas that we've been programmed with that mm -hmm. are not telling us the real truth, right? Yeah. Um, so my perspective on consciousness is that it doesn't need to be found. It's in all of us, to every listener on this call today. It's there already. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Our work is just to undo what's covering it up. Yeah. And it's kind of in layers like an onion, would you say so? Yeah, it's... Um, I see it more, I mean, you can do it like an onion. I see it more as a sense of the sun is shining brightly all the time, mm -hmm. but the clouds come over and hide the sometimes, sun sometimes, and at other times the sun is shining brightly. And that's how I see more of what's going on inside us. Mm -hmm. So if there's a lot of clouds, then you'll get a very, very, very heavy feeling and a very heavy connection with yourself and these emotions we're talking about that are difficult mm -hmm. will have made us, you know, down in our mood. We will be potentially fairly miserable. We will be plodding through life. We won't be feeling too buoyant or vibrant. But when we remove some of those clouds, we don't have to work hard to look for the joy. We don't have to work hard to find the bliss because it's already there. So it just it just sneaks its way through you and starts revealing itself mm -hmm. because you've just done the work to remove the cloud out of the way. So I, that's, that's, that's how <laughs> I see it, right? They're like yeah. temporary clouds that don't need to be there, but it, it's all within our responsibility to be able to move them out of our way. Mm -hmm. And we get plenty of clues that there's a cloud there. We get plenty of clues. So we might have, you know, a hissy fit, or we might have <laughs> extreme pain somewhere in our body. Or we might find that 
you know, we've just lost a job and we, we are struggling financially. So we get plenty of clues because all these hits from life, whether mm -hmm. it's an illness or whether it's a pain or whether it's a, um, a thing that's not getting manifested in the real world or whether it's an emotion that's not helping us to feel too great, all of those are clues that there's something that you're ready to be able to deal with and you're ready to get rid well, I won't say get rid, you're, get, you're getting ready to transform um, an idea or a belief or a conditioning or a limiting, limiting thought mm -hmm. that is not serving you. So, you know, we get plenty of clues, Rachel, yeah. <laughs> that it's time to do something. And sometimes we get lost in those clues because so many people resign themselves to the misery and the suffering and the heartache and the um, down moments, they sort of accept them as being just, it's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. But that's not true. I mean, I've been on the Anita Murjani website a few times and I've seen people comment on there, well, in this lifetime, I'm supposed to suffer. Mm -hmm. And I just roll my eyes and I'm like, what does that statement mean? It just says that you're telling yourself that you're not willing to do anything about the suffering. Mm -hmm. And you're not taking responsibility for it. You're just announcing that this lifetime I'm going to suffer. Mm -hmm. Well, where's the, where's the empowerment in that? Right. There isn't, right? Yeah. Uh, and sure, yeah, we might need to suffer to get motivated to do something about it. But that is the whole purpose of it. It's only a temporary pit stop. We're not supposed to park ourselves there yeah. and say, this is our life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> We're not supposed to go, okay, well, this is my lot and, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better and I'm just going to hang out here now. Yeah. No. So for me, I just feel like we get so many clues to address ourselves and to, to um, attempt to grow in awareness and to attempt to connect better with our own consciousness mm -hmm. so the clues are there it's just about whether we're willing to do something about it oh I love it thanks so much you speak so much um you know of a truthful real context of of what we can do and how we can grow yeah and that's what excites me so much is the fact that this Dalian method that's being created is so practical so when I first started this journey, you know, I was listening to a lot of uh, talks and reading a lot of books and trying to find, navigate my way out of that depression. And what was happening was I was hearing a lot of wonderful concepts and they were giving me a tent, like some, some excitement of the potential, right? Mm -hmm. But to hear Eckhart Tolle explain to me that I need to be in the moment and I need to be in the now or to hear that I have such a thing called presence and that if I'm rooted in my presence, then, you know, I'm going to be stable and my emotions are not going to hijack my life. Mm -hmm. They're wonderful, wonderful, wonderful principles to hear. But the most exciting part of my life has been then to have this tool called the Dalian method that helps you to access your presence. And you're like, oh, <gasps> okay, I'm under no illusion as to what presence feels like now. I know it. I feel it in my body, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you get that the same tool helping you to 
move out of the ideas of what the ego has about the past and it starts transforming all these past imprints and it starts taking you away from your future imagination. And as the method does that, again, whoa, you're in the moment now. Like now, I can't, like I'm sitting here talking to you. So in this moment, this is what's happening and it's just so enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have to think about the now when the method has helped me to actually become available to the now right um and so that's why i love it so much it's it's a practical tool to give you all these concepts so that you get your own direct experience in your own body and once you get that direct experience in your own body you understand the truth of that then Mm -hmm. that can't be denied by anybody or anyone. And then you don't have to think, oh, no, Anita Mujani got her miracle and I'm not going to because she got, you know, this token thing from existence and her cancer got cured. But, of course, I'm not going to get cured, right? You don't have to have these excuses that other people had these miraculous things happen to them and it's not going to happen to you Mm -hmm. because the miraculous is possible if you use the right tool And now when people get educated on, you know, there is this tool, I just think, you know, the, the opening for people is huge, just huge. Mm -hmm. And I can't thank my, I can't thank life enough for the fact that somehow I (laughs) ended up at the doorstep of such a profoundly effective practical tool. Right. Awesome. I'm like, whoa. I did, I went, whoa, <laughs> like, how did that, how did that transpire? But it did. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Any, any other final thoughts about the Dalian method you want to speak to? Um, it, it, it is simple to use. Mm-hmm. Profound in nature, but simple to use. So it's on an automated recording where it has voice prompts on it. It's an interactive process. It includes expression. It includes body movements. It includes um, out loud uh, breath. Um, It's very scientific Mm -hmm. in that it works with your amygdala to release the fears that are stored there. It works with the way that the spinal fluid runs up through the back of your body. Um, and it works with the way that the mind circuitry happens so that the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere come into balance. And so we're not too driven by our logical side, but we're able to connect with the all-knowing part of ourselves. So it's extremely scientific, extremely effective, but simple to use. And that in itself is a paradox, right? Mm-hmm. Because, <laughs> Because... Otherwise, all these concepts sound like they're too overwhelming and they sound as though like a little bit too utopian. Mm -hmm. But a five-year-old can use the child version of the Dalian method, right? Awesome. Right? And if you are a 70-year-old and you feel you want to tiptoe in by using the child version, well, then that's where you begin, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like... It's like we've got a simple but profoundly effective way of assisting ourselves. So really, we've got nothing to lose. That's how I see it. Uh-huh. 
Oh, so cool. I love it. You speak, you know, just to such um, empowering concepts that we can do this from within ourselves. Exactly. We can do it within ourselves. We can be our own healer. Yeah, we can be our own healer. And and the guidance is uh, some of the versions of the Dalian method are already on sale in the marketplace. So the adult versions are available. The find answers that I referred to, that's available. Mm-hmm. The teenage version is going to be in the marketplace, hopefully sometime this year, um, because Matter's working really, really hard to try and get all these products out into the marketplace. Mm-hmm. But if you want to access a version of it that's not available in the marketplace, then you have facilitators that will help to start that process for you, mm-hmm. um, which is where you know somebody like me comes in. I facilitate these sessions too. So it's only a little bit like, you know how somebody shows you how to ride a bike and once you know how to ride a bike, you can ride it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's sort of my job, right? I'll teach you how to ride the bike of using the Dalian method. And mm-hmm. then once you feel comfortable with it enough to run on your own, then you become empowered to start using it on your own. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Hmm. Awesome. And so you can work one-on-one with people or with groups, right? Yes, that's right. So one-on-one, I work with people either face-to-face or on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it doesn't matter geographically wherever you're based throughout the world. I have lots of um, people from all over the place that uh, come forward for that. Um, then we also do uh, group workshops too, if people want to be in a group setting and they tend to be um, face-to-face in the past and I haven't yet started creating group workshops online, but that's in the throes. Um, And then um, you also get the opportunity of being able to work, like I said, independently if you want to too, by buying the products so that you can start working with them on your own if you want to. Oh, I love it. Yeah. That sounds so cool. So then what would be the best way for the listeners to connect with you if they want to learn more or, you know, try this with you? Um, well, you can contact me through my website, which is um, kindigill.com, K-I-N-D-I-G-I-L-L.com. And there's a space there which just says, you know, put in your contact details if you want a complimentary conversation. Because okay. I'm very happy to just talk through things so that people get an understanding for their own particular life as to the process that would be involved and what and how they would go about it so that they can get some comfort that this tool is going to work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very happy to have the complimentary conversations. And there's also a space there. If you want to book a session, you can do that too. So whatever you fancy. And I think I've even got my phone number on that website too, if, just in case you want to contact me that way. Awesome. Well, I fancy this. This is so, it sounds so amazing. And, you know, any kind of tool that can help (laughs) us grow and be liberated to each of like the joy and peace, you know, that's really possible for us is is so worth it. Exactly. And, And for me, what I just keep sensing with everything around this is that, you know, there's no rush, right, about anything. So, if you want to use the Dalian method and the next time you use it again is like three months or four months or five months later, mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. You're going to break away through, break away some element of the cloud that's covering your consciousness. You're definitely going to awaken to extra consciousness in the process. 
-hmm. So that's wonderful, right? But if somebody goes, okay, you know, I'm 60 years old and I've been looking for a practical tool that goes way beyond the mind and goes straight to the root of the matter, they might say, well, now that I found it, I'm not dropping this, I'm going to keep going. Mm -hmm. so, so we have people that will work, you know, with this tool once a week. And we have people that have one session in their entire lifetime and they think that's enough and that's all they wanted, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, everything's at your own pace, the way it suits you. So there's no pressure at all, right? Yeah. The only thing is, is just to dip your toe and have the courage to give it a go mm -hmm. because it takes an element of courage to go, okay, I'm willing. Yeah. And to know there's an, there could be a new possibility in it. Exactly. So that curiosity and that sense of the intelligence inside you that sort of speaks and says intuitively, oh, this feels like a good idea, right? Mm -hmm. That's the part that has to be trusted. Yeah. Um, the mind will always come in to give you excuses and also reasons for it to stay in charge in your life. Mm, yeah. <laughs> right? Because it knows the Dalin method is going to transform an element of the power that the ego mind has over you, right? Mm -hmm. So the only thing that loses in this ex entire experience is the power of your ego mind. Mm -hmm. And so if that starts coming in and it chatters away and it starts giving you a whole list of excuses, just know too well that it's just kept itself alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't want us to change. <laughs> it doesn't, wa it doesn't yeah. want you to change because it itself is going to lose some of its power, right? Mm -hmm. So it has a vested interest in not wanting you to change because it itself is at threat. Yeah. Um, and so if you understand that, then at least when the mind chatter comes in, you have a choice as to whether you're going to ignore it or whether you're going to actually fall for its momentary power over you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Thank you so much, Kindy. This has been wonderful. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure, Rachel. I'm so delighted actually you reached out to me. I'm very, very grateful. Yeah, me too. This, I mean, this is such a powerful message and um, an opportunity for us as yes, humans. Exactly. And it takes us out of the theory. It just takes us into practice. Mm -hmm. like, it's like learning how to swim. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> hey, Rev with Rachel listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. It's a pleasure to share these important life transforming and healing topics with you. As always, remember to rev, recreate, enlighten, and vibrate. Thank you for listening. Until we meet again, be love. This is the EWN Podcast Network.